All right. Glory to God. Today's message is called, Who is Jesus? Last Sunday, I spoke about the Father, God. And we saw that God is almighty. God is eternal. God is a personal being, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. And the more we know who God is, it elevates our faith to connect with Him, to ask from Him, to believe in Him, to trust in Him. And that's what we have noticed even in our own lives. Our ability to trust someone depends on how well we know the character of that person. How trustworthy they are will enable us to trust in them. In the same way, Christians always struggling with fear and worry and anxiety and confusion in their day-to-day lives reveals to me that there is a need to know God better. There's a need to know God in His characteristics. Not just the name of God. Not just being able to say Jesus as a ritual, as a magic word. Because sometimes we tend to do that. We are fearful at night. We will say Jesus, 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 Jesus. As if it's a magic word that can bring a miracle to us. And yet when we say Jesus without knowing the power in the name, without knowing who He is, we say it very religiously ritualistically, and we don't receive that strength in our hearts that enables us to walk in victory. So our ability to walk in faith comes from knowing Him, knowing His characteristics. Because faith is not just a state of the heart that we decide to do. No, faith is received from the Word of God. But from the Word of God, we receive the knowledge of his nature, his characteristic. The source of faith really is God. God is the source of faith. It's not even just the Bible. See, the Bible reveals to us the nature and the characteristic of God. So as we read the Bible, it's important that we know God. Why? Because when we know God, we grow in faith. We increase in faith. So even as Christians gather all over Nagaland today and we sing and we pray and we go through the motions of a Sunday service and yet we go back homes and we are still depressed. We are fearful. We are worried. We are still filled with hate. We cannot forgive one another. You know what that means? It means we don't know our God. Our churches may be full, but do we really know God? That's the big question. Because the knowledge of God is not just supposed to be theoretical. It's supposed to be practical. Practical means personal. It means from your heart, a personal knowledge of God to know Him by personal connection, personal revelation. And that's what I want us to believe that even as we look into the Word to see who Jesus is, your heart will connect to Him in a personal way. Can you say Amen? So who is Jesus? Well, firstly, we know Jesus is God. He claimed to be God. He said, I and my Father are one. Alright? So Jesus is God. And we know these titles of Jesus. These are the ones that we are most familiar with. Jesus is God. He claimed to be God. He said, I and my Father are one. He also said, calling himself with the same title as God who revealed himself to Moses in the burning bush before Abraham was, I am. See, for these reasons, the high priests and the Pharisees accused him of blasphemy because he claimed to be God and he is God. Well, we know Jesus is also the son of God. Well, what does this title mean? Because it is used more than 40 times in the Bible. When we say Son of God, we don't mean that Jesus is the literal offspring of God our Father, just like we are offspring of our parents. That's not what it means. The doctrine of the Trinity says that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all co-equal, co-eternal. That means they're all the same. They're all having the same rank and the same nature. 
God did not give birth to Jesus. When we say the Son of God, can you say Amen? It does not mean that God the Father mated with the Virgin Mary and produced Jesus, the Son of God. Because there's a prayer in Catholicism that says Mary is the mother of God. But Mary is not the mother of God. Jesus was conceived through a virgin by the power of the Holy Spirit, but Mary is not his mother in this literal sense. Can you say amen? The term son of God is a unique term. It's not like us. When we say we are sons of God, we don't mean that we are like Jesus is like us. When we say Jesus is the son of God, we are actually talking about his deity, his divinity, that he is co-equal to the Father. Can you say amen? Jesus is the son of man. We see that in the scripture. What does this mean? It's a title used 88 times in the New Testament. The Son of Man is a title of humanity. Humanity. When we say Son of God, it refers to His deity. But when we say Son of Man, we are testifying to the truth of the incarnation that Jesus really came in the flesh. Jesus really lived as a man, inhabiting a human body. He was in all points tempted like us and yet without sin, sinless. And that's why he is acquainted with the feelings of our infirmities. He knows exactly what you are going through when you are tempted, when you are depressed, when you are discouraged, when you're tired in your body. He knows it. Why? Because he has also gone through that yet without sinning. The Son of Man is also a title of deity. Deity. As a Son of Man, He forgave sins. In Him, as a Son of Man, all the fullness of the Godhead dwelt bodily. And there's a prophecy in Daniel which says, the Son of Man will come in the glory of God and one day He will rule over all the nations of the earth, referring to Jesus Christ. So the Son of Man is also a title of deity. The word Son of Man is also a full of prophecy, as I mentioned in the book of Daniel. When Jesus was before the high priest on the night on which he was betrayed, he said, the Son of Man will come from the clouds of glory in heaven, sitting at the right hand of the Father. That's what he claimed to be. And that was the very moment when the high priest said, blasphemy, accused him of blasphemy and condemned him to death. So the son of man is a title that talks about his humanity, talks about his deity, talks about the fulfillment of prophecy and also talks about his humility. That even though he was the king of heaven, he was willing to humble himself to become a man. To be condemned to death as a criminal so that he can redeem us from our sins. Amen. Jesus is also known as the savior of the world, which we are all familiar with. The one who saves us from our sins. Jesus is Emmanuel. As was said by the angel to Mary, that he is Emmanuel, the God who is with us. Amen. But let's look at some other unique titles which I want to talk about more elaborately today. Firstly, Jesus is the Word of God. The Word of God. John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In Revelations 19.13, He, Jesus, wore a robe dipped in blood, and His title was the Word of God. The Word of God. So we have to understand what this means when the scriptures say Jesus is the Word of God and how it applies to us today. Now we know that the universe, the heavens and the earth was created by the spoken Word of God. God spoke the universe into existence. He said, let there be light. And that spoken word had power in it, energy in it, creativity in it, light in it, force in it to create everything that we see. And science has discovered that the universe is still expanding. 
So the spoken word of God from the very beginning created so much power and force that the universe is still expanding. Now, we must understand the importance of words because it all connects back to Jesus Christ. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 to 17. See, if God created the universe, all of creation by the word of God, then it also means that everything is created by Jesus. Okay. Colossians 1, 15 to 17. He is the image of the invisible God. That's Jesus. The firstborn of all creation. When we say firstborn, we don't mean that he came into existence. Jesus was always existing with the Father. Important to understand this because some cults believe that Jesus is lesser than God the Father. He was created by God the Father like the Jehovah's Witness and some other cults. But the scriptures always say that Jesus was with God from the very beginning. The firstborn of all creation means that he is the head, the beginning. He is the preeminent. Not that he was created by God. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. So all things are created by Jesus. Jesus is the agent through which God created. And the Bible says even invisible, visible and invisible were created through him. Do you know that invisible things have been created? You cannot see it. And yet they are created by God. For example, angels are created by God. We cannot see them. The spirit realm. Invisible to our naked eyes and yet created. That means the invisible realm exists. See, as Christians, the more we go into the Word of God, the more we must become aware of the spirit realm, the invisible realm. And that must become more tangible to us than even the chair that you are sitting upon. The Holy Spirit. You cannot see the Holy Spirit and yet the Bible says He lives in you. He's always with us. So if we have been tuned to the invisible, the realities of the Spirit, then we would always be conscious that there is someone with us. He lives in us. Who is He? He's the Holy Spirit. When we gather here for worship on Sundays, be aware of the invisible more than the visible. The visible is the people around you, what they are wearing, who's sitting in front of you, behind you. And sometimes we are so conscious of that that we are afraid to lift up our hands because we are wondering who is around me? What will they think of me? Will they have good opinions of me? And we are so conscious of the natural, but we are not conscious of the invisible, which is God is here. If two or three are gathered in my name, Jesus says, I am there. Can you say amen? So he's here. Be conscious of his presence. His presence is here. The literal, tangible presence of the Holy Spirit is here. And if you're more conscious of the presence of the Holy Spirit, more than the presence of the person next to you, then your heart will be able to connect to the power of the Holy Spirit and you will receive what you need right now, even where you are sitting. See, Jesus created visible and invisible. Invisible doesn't mean they don't exist. Do you know that the Word of God, the Word of God is spirit and life. That means even right now, when the words are coming out of my heart and it is coming to you, the words, even though it's just sound that you are hearing, when you receive it in your heart, it is power. It is life. We received a testimony that someone here in Kohima never been to a church listening to a podcast. And that podcast was recorded many, many months back. But at the end, I declare, be healed in Jesus' name. And he listened to it months after it was 
posted on the podcast, but because he was listening with all his heart, when I said, be healed in Jesus' name, he received that word that was declared and he got healed immediately. Why? Because the word is tangible. You cannot see it, but it is invisible. Yet the nature of the word, the nature of the spirit in the word, it is real, it is tangible, it is a force. That's what we mean by the anointing. So the presence of God is here. Pastor, can you see with your eyes? I cannot, but I can see with the eyes of my heart because I believe in the word. Wherever the name of Jesus is proclaimed and lifted up, His presence is here. Hallelujah. There's someone here, you've been having a lot of itchiness in your ear. It's like allergy or itching and you've been struggling with that. Whoever that person is, can you, can you raise your hand? You've been having this problem in your ear. Anyone else? Come, come to the front. Come. Yeah. Thank you, Father. Okay, I'm just going to come down and minister to you. Church, just stretch forth your hands. Let's just believe that as the word of knowledge is released, God is releasing healing into the bodies right now. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, <laughs> you be healed. Every infection leave. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, you be healed. Every infection leave. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, ears be healed, be whole right now. Every infection leave in Jesus' mighty name. In the name of Jesus, ears be healed and be whole right now. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, ears be healed, be whole. Every infection go right now in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, ears be healed and be whole. Leave infection right now in Jesus' mighty name. In the name of Jesus, ears be healed, be whole. Every infection, go in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You also? All right. In the name of Jesus, ears be healed and be whole right now. Allergy infection, leave in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. You can go back to your seats. Just believe that you have received. Hallelujah. So Jesus created visible and invisible. All things were created through Him and for Him. That means it's for His glory. He is before all things means He is the head. And in Him all things consist. The word consist means held together. That means Jesus is holding your body together. Every single cell is held by Jesus. Do you know that Jesus holds the stars in place? The rotation of the planets around the sun. It is Jesus that is holding it. Jesus is holding the trees together. Jesus is holding every balance of nature and the universe and creation. He holds it. He holds it. In Him, all things consist. In Him, all things are held together. It's Jesus. So we have to see Him as more than just a good man who came and taught us some good principles. We have to see Him more than just a God who came in the flesh and died on the cross for our sins. No, He is. The source of all life. He holds all life together. He holds all creation together. In Him all things have their being. Can you say Amen? So when you understand how essential Christ is for our day-to-day -day life, then you will also understand how essential are words and His words. Do you know that words are essential to life? Every transaction of life, 
whether it's love, connection, relationship, right? Communication is based on words. Every transaction of life comes from words. Education happens through words. Progress happens through words. Scientific discoveries happens through words. Governance is impossible without words. Nations will not exist if there are no words. Words are essential to life. See, emotions, connection between friends, family, purpose, faith, truth, all of that cannot exist without words. Words are so essential to life. So when the Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, that is referring to Jesus, but then it also means that Jesus is absolutely essential to our everyday life, to your everyday faith. Again, the Word of God, because Jesus is the Word of God. Frederick II, in the 13th century, a Roman emperor wanted to know the natural language of human beings. So he decided to make an experiment. He took five babies, the moment they were born, set them apart from their mothers. And these five babies were instructed by the nurses that they are to be taken care of, food and washing, you know, cleaning them up and all that. But no one is allowed to speak to them. They're not allowed to touch them. They're just supposed to be taken care of physically. And he thought that the natural language of men that God gave Adam and Eve will come forth naturally from these babies if they are not influenced by other languages. So they were not allowed to speak to these babies. That was an experiment, a literal experiment. This was done not only by Frederick II, but many other kings in history. Guess what happened? All five babies died within two years. So what he wanted to discover, he could not. But science made another huge discovery. And that is this. Human beings are not just physical beings. We are social beings. And we need words to live. And these babies, because they had no connection, no one spoke to them. There was no emotional touch. There was no touch given to them. They died within two years. Words are essential to life. If no one spoke to you from today, the rest of your life, guess what? Many of you will die. That's why solitary confinement is such terrible punishment. Words are essential to life. What does it mean then? It means Jesus is essential to our life. He should not be an afterthought. He should not be a spare tire that we go to only when we are in a crisis. He should not be something or someone that you just acknowledge on Sundays. Jesus is essential to every second of your life. And if you will learn to commune with Jesus in your heart because He is a personal being and you learn in your office to speak to Him, in your heart, in your school to speak to Him, when you're in the bus to speak to Him, just to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this day. And just to center your thoughts and your affections on Him throughout the day, telling Him, Lord, I trust in You. You are my healer. Lord, I trust in You. You are my Emmanuel. I tell you, you will experience more strength. You will experience the power of the Holy Spirit strengthening you from within your spirit man. You will experience more peace wherever you are throughout the week. So that when you face the crisis and when you face the bad news and when you face the stress in the office because in your heart you have been communing with Jesus because you have realized how essential He is to you and you are talking to Him that infusion of peace in you will enable you to fight the pressures and the stress in your job. And you'll be a different person. Maybe all your friends and your colleagues will be panicking, but you from within your heart are tapping into the power and the peace 
and the wisdom and the presence of God. Can you say amen? Jesus is the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus came with a specific mission to take away the sin of the world. This is a reference to the sin offering in the book of Leviticus. If an Israelite sins, you're supposed to bring a bull, a goat, or a lamb without blemish to the priest. You're supposed to lay your hands on the lamb and confess your sins. So there's a transference taking place. When the guilty Israelite lays his hands, his guilt goes to the innocent lamb and the innocence of the lamb comes on the Israelite. The lamb is killed and the blood is shed in the place of the Israelite. So the lamb is the offering of the Israelite. The offering for sin. There's another thing I want you to notice here. On the Day of Atonement, once a year, they observe the confession of sins for the entire nation of Israel. So on that day, there are two goats that the high priest will bring to the tabernacle. One goat is killed and the blood is offered as a sin offering. But the other goat, the high priest will lay hands and confess the sins of the whole nation. And that goat is then taken to a very far place, the wilderness. And it is released. The truth here that is hidden in this type is that Jesus not only dies for the forgiveness of our sins, but our sins are removed far away from us. Like Psalms 103 verse 12. You can look at it on the screen. You see, when we confess our sins, we know we are forgiven. Knowing that we are forgiven gives us comfort and peace in the hearts. But do you know that not only are we forgiven, our sins have been far removed from us. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. Christians, even after knowing they are forgiven, still struggle with shame, still struggle with guilt. Because they say, yes, I know I'm forgiven. Listen, you need to understand this. You are not only forgiven, your sin, that sin that causes you so much shame has been removed far from you. It is not in your life. It is not in your history anymore. Your history with God. It is not there. So don't act and believe like that sin is still in your life. It is not there. Can you say amen? Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Which means this. Jesus is our offering. The Israelite has to bring his offering. He has to bring an offering. And that offering is sacrificed. When we sin, sometimes we feel like we have to pay the price. After I was born again, I drank and I got drunk many years back. I felt so guilty that I thought I have to pray and fast for three days to punish my body and to sacrifice for the sins I have committed. So I prayed and fasted, but my motive was wrong. My thought was, this prayer and fasting is my sacrifice for the sins that I committed. So I thought I have to sacrifice. I have to pay the penance for my sin. My heart was in the right place, but my theology was wrong. Because the Bible says, Jesus is our offering. Your penance is not your offering. You are not the offering for your sin. Your money is not the offering for your sin. Many people give big offering to the church thinking that that offering will wipe away the sins and the sins of the family. It's happening in Nagaland and all around the world also. 
Listen, Jesus is your offering. You are not your offering. You may pray and fast for 40 days, but it will not wipe away a single sin from your life. So all you need to do is believe in Him. Can you say Amen? Hallelujah. He is your offering. Jesus is the good shepherd. The good shepherd. John 10 verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. In Psalms 23, David described the Lord as his shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Because the Lord is his shepherd. And the shepherd cares for the sheep. The shepherd leads the sheep. The shepherd protects the sheep. David said, I shall not want. See, the revelation here is this. If you will see Jesus as your shepherd, not just as your savior, not just as the one who died on the cross, but Jesus here, right now in your life, daily as your shepherd, then what he said in Psalms 23 will become your reality. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Jesus will make you lie down in green pastures. That talks about comfort. It talks about rest. It talks about peace. He leads me beside the still waters. If you would experience sweet, intimate communion with Jesus daily, like I said, talk to Him. Even right now, speak to Him in your heart. I tell you, talk to Him wherever you are. Jesus, you are so good. Oh, Jesus, you are so amazing. You don't have to open your mouth. In church, open your mouth. Right? Because we're all praising and worshiping God together. But when you're in the marketplace, in the office, speak to Him in your heart. When you are sitting with your difficult boss and He's calling you from your heart, Jesus, you're wonderful. Jesus, you're amazing. I tell you, your mood will change. The mood in the office will change. The atmosphere will change. I've been in stressful um, airport situations. People are shouting and screaming because of ticket. And I'm there in line and just talking to Jesus. Lord, you're so wonderful. Lord, you're so amazing. And I just begin to experience favor. Favor from people, strangers. He will lead you beside still waters. Peace, rest, comfort. He will restore your soul. Restore your soul. There was this businessman who was going through depression because of the stress in his business, loans and the growth of the company, the stress of all the employees. He was depressed. He wanted to take his own life. He became suicidal. So one day he decided to just go to another city, check himself to a hotel and read the scriptures. And he began to read Psalms 23. And he saw, he restores my soul. When he read, he restores my soul. Suddenly, he felt the presence of God restoring his soul. The soul is the mind. The soul is the emotions and the feeling. The soul is when you get passionate about your job. The soul is when you are passionate about life. You see, when people are working too much and they get burnt out and they're so worried, they start losing the zeal for life. They stop losing the passion for living, the purpose for life. What is that? It means the soul needs some healing. When people reject you, when your loved ones reject you and your heart is broken and now you cannot connect with other people and now you become cynical and now you're always thinking negative thoughts and your heart is inclined always to negativity. What does that mean? It means your soul needs healing. And the Bible says, Jesus restores our soul. That very encounter that he had, when he just read, he restores my soul, delivered him from depression. It brought back sanity into his mind. Some of you need healing in your minds. Your mind has been oppressed by fearful thoughts. Many of you, have your minds have been oppressed by negativity and by... You're unable to forgive. Because you're always holding on to that offense. And it keeps on niggling you and niggling you and niggling you. That is causing your mind 
to turn into a negative bent. Affecting even your relationship with people around you. What's happening? That sickness in the soul. And when you have a soul that is sick, you're unable to have a vital relationship with God. You're unable to hear from God. Because the soul is the connection between the spirit and God. It's the place where interference comes. That's why you're so confused about your future. Because the soul has been so damaged. Jesus restores. In times of worship, in times of prayer, God will restore your soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. That's what Jesus wants to do. Lead you in the will of God. He will be with you in every crisis and evil. In other words, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because Jesus is with you. He provides a table for you in the presence of your enemies. He provides. He will provide. He will be your provision in the midst of inflation. What is inflation? Inflation is an enemy. He will provide for you. In the midst of shortage, He will provide for you. Amen. In the midst of sickness and crisis, He will provide for you. Hallelujah. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over. That is referring to the deliverance that Jesus will bring into your life when you know Him and you walk with Him. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Surely. Surely. It's sure when you walk with Jesus, surely goodness and mercy will follow you. Follow you. If you're looking behind you, always thinking that the enemy is after you and some evil and some curse is coming to befall upon you, your faith is in the wrong place. Because Jesus is with us, we have this expectation. Surely goodness and mercy. Goodness and mercy. Goodness and mercy. Following me all the days of my life. Goodness and favor. Goodness and grace. Following me. Don't look back with fear. What evil is going to happen today? Because of some bad dream you had. No. Expect the goodness of the Lord every day because the Lord is your shepherd. Can you say amen? Jesus is the light of the world. The light of the world. John 8 verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows after me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This is such an important revelation for many of us today. Do you know that in the past, when I was sinning, living my own life, doing whatever I wanted to do, following my own desires, following after the lusts of my eyes and my heart, envy, pleasure, entertainment, blinded by worldly desires, I was actually in darkness. I was stumbling from one crisis to another, from one problem to another. And even though on the outside, because we wear good clothes, we have good education, we pretend that our lives are all right, yet on the inside, we are blind. Many times we don't know why we are doing this and why we are doing that and why we are angry and why we have this unforgiveness. And yet we are struggling, struggling in the insights. But the moment I gave my life to the Lord, not only did I get salvation, I got light. I began to see who I am, my identity. I began to see the truth of the meaning of life, the purpose of my life. And as I walked with Jesus, the light increased. I began to understand my calling. I began to understand the meaning of simple things like friends and fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters and the importance of going to church and the importance of investing. I began to understand the meaning. Why? Because the light came. Many of us have salvation because we have believed in Jesus, but you need light in your life. 
in your relationships, in the way you conduct your life daily, the purpose of your life. Light. Light is called revelation. Revelation. You need revelation of why you are here in this season in Nagaland. There's a purpose. You see, that's so important for us to understand that we don't just live our lives on the surface level. We need understanding. That understanding is called the light of the Lord. That as we pray and engage with Him, Jeremiah 33 verse 3, call unto the Lord and He will answer you and show you. Show you means light. He will give you light. The purpose of your business. It's not only money for you and your children. The purpose of your job is not only to provide for you. There's a purpose of God there. Why you are here in this church? What's the purpose of this church? There's so many churches in Nagaland. And yet God continues to start new churches in every generation all around the world. Why? We must have that light, that understanding. One example that I used was how sometimes before you married that person, you were just friends. You were just good friends. That light was not there yet that three years down the road, you're going to be married. You're going to be husband and wife. Because that is in the will of God for your life. That is in the purpose of God for your life. But right now, you don't have light in that area. So you're just calling yourself brother and sister. But when the light of God comes, oh, I hope it comes quickly to many of us here. When the light of God comes, and it will come in the place of prayer. It comes in the place of intimacy with God. Because many times, because we are not going deep into God in prayer and intimacy, there's less light in our life. And so we live life with our physical sight. And so we look at that sister and say, ah, I don't like her. We look at that brother, ah, I don't like her. But the moment you pray, go deep into God and see with the eyes of God, oh, that brother is supposed to be your husband. That sister. But because you have seen them every day for 10 years. You joke with one another too much. I'm telling you the truth. Your future husband could be here in this hall. But here you're looking for Scorpio. But when you see with the eyes of God, Amen. Then you will see in the spirit, he's carrying so much more than a Scorpio. Amen. You have to see what they carry in the spirit. And that's why you need light. You need light. You know that light is essential for life. Look at the sun. It provides light and it provides energy. The plants... They are dependent on the sun. We are dependent on the sun. Vitamin D. Immune system. Sun. If the sun doesn't exist, we would all perish and wither away. How essential is light for life? And so Jesus saying, I am the light of the world. He's communicating His essential nature for us. Amen. Don't just be content living the life where you are right now in your intellectual abilities, in your own understanding. I tell you, when you go deeper into Jesus in prayer and communion, He will reveal more light and the quality of your life will grow and increase. And the Lord will speak to you of things you do not know of that He has planned for you, kept for you. He will take you higher. Some of you, The promotions of God in your life. When I say promotions, don't only think government promotions. I'm talking about God taking you to a higher level. A higher level of faith, wisdom, understanding. The way that you're able to engage with life and live life, that higher level, 
the difference between where you are today and at high level is called intimacy. Intimacy with Jesus. You need the light that He will show to you. Amen. Jesus is the source of living water. John 4, 13 to 14. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up into eternal life. Can humans live without water? No. 70% of our body is water. We need to consume water every day to survive. It is not a coincidence that Jesus takes the example of water to talk about what He can give to us. This Samaritan woman had lived with five husbands and she was living with the seventh, with the sixth, I'm sorry. And still she was not satisfied. Was she looking for more husbands? No, the answer was not in the husbands. She already is living with the sixth. Something in her heart was not satisfied. There was a thirst within her that could not be quenched by even six husbands. Why are so many of us restless? Not satisfied in the relationships where we are. Not content where we are in life, with what we have in life. Why do we get addicted? Why are we so restless? You know why? Because there is a thirst in us that the world, fame, popularity, fashion, entertainment, pleasure, money, it cannot quench. There's a thirst within. And Jesus is saying that I am that living water that can quench that thirst. Again, it is intimacy. Time that you spend with Jesus, knowing Him, relationship with Him. Only He can quench. See, Jesus became the seventh husband. Right? The number seven is the number of God. It also is a number of completion. So when she met Jesus, her thirst was quenched. She became complete in Christ. Do you know that the thirst that you have for identity, for love, for acceptance, that can be quenched only in Christ? And that's why Paul says, I am complete in Christ. Can you say Amen? Say, I'm complete in Christ. Let's look at the last point. The Alpha and the Omega. Revelation chapter 1 verse 8. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. The Alpha and the Omega is the first letter and the last letter in the Greek alphabet. It's like saying, I am the A and the Z. But it doesn't really make sense. Right? Now, what we must try to understand is that Jesus did not speak Greek, even though the New Testament is written in Greek. Jesus spoke Aramaic and Hebrew. And when Jesus comes to John, even in the vision, I'm sure Jesus spoke Aramaic or Hebrew. So instead of saying Alpha and Omega in Aramaic and Hebrew, I assume that Jesus would have used the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet, which is the Aleph Taf. Okay? The Aleph Taf. Now we must understand what this means because this is the signature of Jesus all through the scriptures. The Aleph Taf. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, the Bible says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And you can see that even written in Hebrew. In the beginning God created the heavens and and the earth. But in the Hebrew, it would read this way. Barashit, bara Elohim, et, and the word et is Aleph Taf. It's like the A and the Z. The Aleph Taf, the first letter of the Hebrew and the last letter of the Hebrew. Ha Shamayim, ve'ed, ha Eretz. 
Now, what does this mean in English? Okay. Barashit means in the beginning. Bara means created. Elohim means God. Hashamayim means the heavens. And Vet Haeres means and the earth. What is not translated is that word et. You know why? Because the rabbis don't understand what this word means. And that's why throughout the Old Testament, this word, even though it occurs 7,000 plus times, is left untranslated. Because they don't know what it means. And yet you cannot remove it from the Bible because the Hebrew is a very mathematical language. You cannot remove any letter from the Hebrew Bible. Because the Bible is not only communicating to us truths. There is mathematical equations in the Bible through which there are many truths that are being revealed prophetically even for our times. Okay, so what this Aleph Tav means? It cannot be translated, but there is a meaning. Okay, now if you look at Zechariah, I want us to go to Zechariah chapter 12 verse 10. And you can see it up there on the screen. Because this word, Aleftaf, is there throughout the Hebrew Bible. And it's actually a signature of Jesus. Then I will pour out a spirit of grace and prayer on the family of David and on the people of Jerusalem. They will look on me whom they have pierced and mourn for him for, as for an only son. They will grieve bitterly for him as for a firstborn son who has died. This is a prophecy about Jesus Christ. They will look upon me whom they have pierced. The Jews pierced Jesus. All right. So this is a prophecy about a Messiah. So in between me and whom? They will look upon me whom they have pierced. In between me and whom that word Aleftaf appears. Okay. In the beginning was the word. and uh, I'm sorry. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Aleftaf is there. But Aleftav here is referring to Jesus Christ. Okay? Now, go to Revelation chapter 1 verse 8. Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come. He's saying, I am the beginning and the end. Alright? Now, if you look at the last chapter, Revelation 22 verse 13. In the entire Bible, Jesus again reveals himself as the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. So, if you place all of these things, because if you just look at the Aleph Tav in the Old Testament, it really doesn't make sense. But now in the New Testament, Jesus comes and reveals himself as the Alpha and the Omega, presumably speaking Hebrew, saying, I am the Aleph and the Tav. So now it makes sense because Jesus is the complete revelation of God in the scriptures. So what we could not understand in the old, in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created. Aleftaf is there. And Zechariah, Aleftaf is put in the middle of a reference to Jesus Christ. But now in the New Testament, Jesus himself saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the Aleftaf. What we see in this, if you look at all the scriptures, the first verse in the Bible, Aleftav is there. If you look at the last verse in the Bible, Revelations 22 verse 21, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And who is Jesus Christ? He is the Alpha and the Omega. Or more accurately, He is the Aleph and the Tav. The first verse of the Bible it mentions Jesus Christ. The last verse of the Bible mentions Jesus Christ. Now what does this mean? It simply means this. Jesus is more than just the founder of a religion. He's more than just a savior who died on the cross. He's more than just a good man who comes to teach us a better way to live life. Jesus is really the beginning and the end of everything. The beginning and the end of everything. So if you want to begin a new life, 
You are unsatisfied with your life. You are discouraged with your marriage. You're frustrated with the purpose of your life. You're trying business, but it's not working. If you want to begin something new in your life, it begins with Jesus. Repentance. Surrender. It begins with Jesus. A complete surrender to Him and a seeking of His purpose and His plan for your life. He's the beginning and the end. Whether it's business, whether it's marriage, whether it's ministry, any season of your life. So Jesus is not just someone who comes and gives us salvation. And then after that, we try to figure out life on our own. He's absolutely essential for every day, every week, every month, and every season of our life. It comes out of our relationship with Him. He said, if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. It's again, abiding in Christ. Connecting with Christ. So in sharing about who Jesus is, my main purpose was this, that you will develop such great trust in Him. Because you know His attributes. You know His characteristics. He's Emmanuel. He's always with you. But He's also the source of all life. That means when you spend time with Him, you cannot come out of a time with God the same as when you entered. The man who enters a prayer time with Jesus is different from the man who comes out of a prayer time. What does it mean? It means this. When you enter into a time of communion with Jesus, you will never come out the same. You will never come out the same. If you have this expectancy, oh, we just go to church, but we're still the same every Sunday, then your faith is in the wrong place. Every Sunday when you come and you receive the word and you're communing with Jesus, you're always going home different from the person who came. You're different. The same body, the same job, the same career, but you are different in the spirit. You have been washed in the spirit. You've been infused with new life in the spirit. And that's why prayer time becomes so vital for our life. Because even if it is five minutes, and in that five minutes you engage with God, Jesus says, right? When you come into the circuit place, shut the door. Shut the door and pray to your Father. Shutting the door is not meaning the doors of the church or the door of your room. It means the door of your heart. Shut the door to be free from distractions. So that that five, ten minutes, you are just between you and Jesus. You're communing. You're just talking to Him. I tell you, that moment will put something into you that will be always different than how the way you entered in. He's a living water. He's a source of life. He's the beginning and the end. So do you realize how essential He is? How essential? How much we need Him? The beginning of your healing and the end of your miracle is Jesus. I would encourage you, if you are seeking healing, don't just seek healing, seek Him. Amen. Seek Him. Him. You are seeking a breakthrough for your business. Don't just seek a breakthrough. Seek Him. You've been prayed for, been prayed for, still in manifesting. Seek Him. He has the key. He has the words. Seek Him. Spend time with Him and He will show you something in your heart. He will show you that as you obey that, you will see the difference. Seek Him. 
You're having problems in your marriage? Seek Him. You're confused about life? Seek Him. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes, guys. If you have been blessed through this podcast, we invite you to partner with us in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ from Nagaland to the nations. We make all our series available for free, but it does cost us time, effort, and money to do. So the support of people such as you will enable us to reach more people in more regions. Remember, when you give, the Word of God says in 2 Corinthians 9.8 that God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That you, always having all sufficiency, all things, may have an abundance of every good work. If you would like to support our media ministry on a monthly basis or through a one-time gift, kindly write to us at faithharvestnagaland at gmail.com and visit our website www.faithharvest.in and you can go to the giving section. You can also give through this UPI ID 700 at Paytm. God bless you and thank you so much for your generosity.